Welcome to In Parallel, an offshoot of the OnScript podcast in which we explore the connections between biblical and contemporary poetry. I'm your host, Brent Strawn. I'm a biblical scholar and theologian. I teach at Duke University, where I'm professor of Old Testament and professor of law. Alas, I cannot claim to be a poet. Well, not a published one at any rate. Instead, I'm what would have been called in older days a poetaster, a term for someone who dabbles in poetry, which is true enough in my case. According to Louis Turco, a poetaster is a term used of one who writes in verse but is incapable of rising to the level of the artist. Yeah, if I'm being honest, that hurts a bit, but sadly, it is also probably true. But with your permission, maybe poetaster can be defined a bit more positively for present purposes. Let it refer here, or at least in my case, to someone who appreciates and loves the art of poetry. And that is most definitely true in my case. I have enjoyed poetry for as long as I can remember, though I cannot now fully describe or recall why. Perhaps it was the elegance of poetic lineation on the printed page where the lines of poetry stood out so distinctively, so deceptively simply from the otherwise indistinguishable forest of prose in the poetry-riddled works of writers like J.R.R. Tolkien and other fantasy authors that I read as a kid. That, at least, is one inchoate memory, or perhaps better, poetic image, that sticks in my mind from those early days. Ecclesiastes 3, a poem about time and life. The poet W.H. Auden once said that poetry is the clear expression of mixed feelings. His remark seems spot on for this famous poem found in the book of Ecclesiastes. The title of this book in Hebrew is Kohelet, which is also the name or title of the person who speaks in it. And so, for the time being, we can talk about the poem in Ecclesiastes 3 as Kohelet's poem one of them at any rate, that's presently found in the book that bears his name. Here it is in the New Revised Standard Version. For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Relatively speaking, this is a popular piece of biblical poetry and is often found used in funeral services. I admit that until recently I haven't liked the poem very much, perhaps because it is common at funerals. But Auden's definition of poetry has helped me come back to Kohelet's poem with fresh eyes, or 
Maybe it's fresh ears. The poem begins with a verse that serves as a kind of thesis for the rest. For everything, a time, and a season for every matter under the heavens. The seven verses that follow provide the data or argument supporting this thesis. These seven verses list 14 pairs of opposites, a total of 28 distinct things opposed. Mixed feelings, to be sure, Auden was right, but also mixed feelings clearly expressed, Auden again, because these antithetical pairs capture the times and seasons that exist for every matter, for everything. The 14 pairs are not only opposed with regard to content, but also in terms of tone. One of the paired items is positive or associated with pleasure or good things in some fashion, time to laugh, for instance, or time to embrace. By way of comparison, its twinned item is negative, a time to weep, and a time to refrain from embracing. The presence of these less pleasant twins makes the popularity of the poem curious, especially at funerals. There's a time to be born and a time to die, we might say, and evidently it was Joe's time. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust and all the rest. The poem in Ecclesiastes 3 does not always lead with the positive item. It does that in the first two pairs, which begin with a time to be born and a time to plant, but the next five pairs lead with the negative pole, a time to kill, break down, weep, mourn, and throw away stones, though the precise meaning of the latter and its twin, a time to gather stones, remains unclear. It may have to do with the acquisition of wealth, believe it or not, or maybe another leading interpretation is that the pair has something to do with sex. After this, we get some more positive first pairs, a time to embrace, seek, keep, only to be followed by two pairs that appear somewhat ambivalent, a time to tear and time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak. The poem then finishes with a positive first pair, a time to love, followed by a negative first pair, a time for war. If this varied pattern, positive, negative, negative, positive, etc., is meant to be significant in some way, I admit that it eludes me. But maybe elusiveness is part of the point. This poem about time and life is, on the one hand, far from elusive. It is tightly structured, comprehensive, apparently all-inclusive. It is a poem about everything, after all, and about every matter under heaven. The poem says that quite clearly, even as it does so by expressing profoundly mixed feelings. On the other hand, though, the poem leaves much out. Its comprehensiveness is accomplished by means of a specific rhetorical device known as merismus, or less pretentiously, merism. Merism refers to the whole of something by referring to two contrasting parts of that something. Not infrequently, the two parts are extremes. The groom looked fabulous, head to toe. Means, of course, that the groom looked thoroughly dapper, not just that his hair was thoroughly quaffed. Common examples of merism include front to back, first to last, alpha and omega, beginning to end, top to bottom, kit and caboodle, 24-7, high and low, young and old, day and night, dogs and cats living together, to quote the renowned poet Bill Murray on Signs of the Apocalypse.
Now, merism is effective at capturing a totality, but at the same time, it is inescapably reductive. Why only two contrasting things? And why these two things as opposed to others? Even as it captures the whole merism, it seems, leaves many things out. So too, Ecclesiastes 3, this curiously famous poem about time and life. The fact that there are 14 pairs, a doubling of the important biblical number 7, suggests a kind of comprehensiveness in the merisms at work here, a comprehensiveness made explicit in the opening thesis verse. But the poem nevertheless leaves things out, things in between, things in between being born and dying, the time to live, for instance, or to be bored, perhaps. There are things left out between planting and plucking up, a time to water, tend, prune, and between silence and speaking, a time to contemplate, for instance, and consider. Perhaps the merisms in Kohelet's poem comprehend these in-betweens. Surely they do. That is part of how merism works, after all. But these in-betweens also indicate more could be said, or that it could be said differently. A time to ruminate and a time to act impetuously, for instance. A time to labor and a time to retire. And what can be said about Ecclesiastes 3 can be said more broadly about poetry, perhaps. Poetry is a very small thing when you stop and think about it. But it is a small thing that can hold just about everything, whether the poem employs a merism or not. So if there is, according to Kohelet, a season for everything, perhaps there is a poem for everything, too. Ecclesiastes 3, it seems, wants to be exactly that with its twice-perfect list of merisms. If that is right, then the popularity of the poem isn't so curious after all, and it seems perfectly suitable for a funeral, but also for any other time, indeed for every other time in life, and for all of our lives lived out within time. One final observation some biblical scholars think that Kohelet's own evaluation of this poem comes in verses 9 and following. That's where we read that God has made everything suitable, or perhaps beautiful, in its time, but where we also learn that God has made it so human beings cannot figure out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Another merism. That, however, is a topic for another time. That, perhaps is another poem. Here again, then, is Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8, this time from the Common English Bible. There's a season for everything, and a time for every matter under the heavens. A time for giving birth, and a time for dying. A time for planting, and a time for uprooting what was planted. A time for killing, and a time for healing. A time for tearing down and a time for building up. A time for crying and a time for laughing. A time for mourning and a time for dancing. A time for throwing stones and a time for gathering stones. A time for embracing and a time for avoiding embraces. A time for searching and a time for losing. 
a time for keeping and a time for throwing away, a time for tearing and a time for repairing, a time for keeping silent and a time for speaking, a time for loving and a time for hating, a time for war and a time for peace. Thanks for listening. See you next time.